Pizza City is brought to you by Baccio Cheese. Cheese is something we talk a lot about here on the show. It's vital to the success of any great pizzeria. Selecting one that performs the way you need it to is one of the most important elements to pizza making. Baccio Cheese is an exceptional Italian pizza cheese made with a secret, a kiss of buffalo milk. Made with high quality, grade A milk, it goes from cow to cheese in just 48 hours. It melts and reheats beautifully, giving you lovely pulls and stretches. Pizza makers all over the country are turning to Baccio, guys like Greg Kahn, the owner of Gregorio's Trattoria in Bethesda, Maryland. We make a, a New York-style pizza. It's all hand-tossed. The Baccio cheese is the perfect complement. It's very consistent from case to case. We buy the shredded whole milk. I do like the kiss of buffalo milk. But consistency is everything. The, the guest that comes in, they want the same pizza today that they got last week, and that happens uh, with Baccio product each and every case. I've been using the diced part skim and whole milk, uh, embedding it into the top of the dough like I've seen them do at uh, Geno's in Williston Park on Long Island. I'm also doing the block of whole milk, which I'm slicing for my Stevie's squares, kind of a hybrid of a deep dish and a focaccia. So here's the deal. Schedule a demo to try Baccio cheese today at no cost. Just go to BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA. That's BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA to schedule your free demo. I wanted to do something that meant something to me. And growing up, going to places like Ferraro's and Gennaro's and, and Bona's and Cosimo's, those places that I grew up and, and you know, loved, um, didn't exist here. You know, there was no deck oven style pizza. Mike Friedman grew up in Jersey, worked for a Chicago-based restaurant group in Bethesda, then logged time in kitchens like The Modern in New York City and Haleo in D.C. His pizza places take a very different approach than the ones he grew up on. He's now about to open his third in the D.C. area. The story behind All Purpose, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City. Got a good show for you today from the nation's capital. I was there a couple of weeks ago visiting my sister and... um, had managed to try a couple of pizzas. I'd been to the Two Amy's, of course. Everybody says, oh, you're going to go to D.C., go to Two Amy's. Legendary Neapolitan-style, neo-Neapolitan-style pizza place there. And today we are visiting with Mike Friedman, um, definitely a journeyman uh, who's logged a lot of time in restaurant kitchens uh, kind of on the East Coast. Um, He got the restaurant bug from a stint at Mon Ami Gabi in Bethesda, and Mon Ami Gabi, part of the Let Us Entertain You group from Chicago. That was Gabino Sotolino's project. Uh, He worked in kitchens at The Modern in New York. That was Danny Meyer's Union Square Hospitality. Also Spanish kitchens, Japanese kitchens. He worked for Jose Andres uh, for his TV show doing food styling, and then that led to a job at Haleo. I think he was there for about a year. And then Zatina, um, also in D.C. And when he got around to opening All Purpose in the Shaw neighborhood, the approach was more about sourcing the best flour, the best cheese, the best tomatoes, really figuring out how to be a great baker. 
So we met at his second location on the water, directly across the street from Nationals Park, where the Washington Nationals play. And we started off by talking about his earliest pizza memory. So my first pizza memory was um, not in Manhattan or New York in general. Um, Shortly after I was born, I moved out of the city and into northern Jersey in a town called Westfield, so about 25 minutes outside the city. My first pizza memory was from a family restaurant called Ferraro's, and it was that kind of place where you had pizza night. And so every Friday night was pizza night in my house, and we would go and pick up Ferraro's. And Ferraro's was great because it was that classic Italian restaurant where you had a pizza shop when you walked in, and then you it was really kind of bare bones and a brick oven in the back, and then you walked through a hallway and it was a restaurant. And was it a giant, like an 18-inch with the big wedges and you'd fold them in half exactly. and it was typically cheese? Yes, it was always that. It was cheese. We would either get cheese or we would get meatball. And the best part about the meatball was they would make the large meatballs, I would say about three inches in diameter, cook them, chill them, and then slice them. And so part of that homage when we opened All Purpose was I have a pizza with those meatballs on it. So. And yet you found your way to Chicago somehow professionally. What, was it, what happened in between there before you got to the Let Us Entertain Your group? Um, so growing up in Jersey, I was 15 years old. I was broke. I wanted money. I wanted to go to the well, movies. Most 15-year-olds are broke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Not all of them in Jersey, though. I, I, I can be honest with you. Some of them are very well connected. Um, so I started working in an Italian deli, um, and I did that until I went to college. I went to school up in Boston. I worked in you know odd jobs in Boston. I graduated with a communications degree, a focus in marketing and advertising with a minor in American history. By the way, Boston, not a great pizza town, right? Uh, you got to go to the North End, and even then, most of the places that people talk about are in like Lynn and like out near like um, I forget the name of it. There's one near the airport that's supposed to be great near Logan, but as a rule, terrible. Armed with a communications degree, what happens? Uh, I went into working at a radio station selling radio airtime, and I hated it. Um, And I left there, and I got broke again, just like I was at 15. And um, I moved down here to uh, D.C. with my parents. My parents had moved from Jersey to D.C. My dad had got transferred. He he sold television airtime. Um, I got a gig cooking at Mon Ami Gabi, which is a company out of Chicago with Let Us Entertain You. And uh, from the moment I started, uh, I loved it. Uh, And I loved it for the basic reason that I felt like I was part of a team. And uh, I played hockey like my whole childhood and I was really, really bad at it. Um, But I loved being part of a team. And so when I got into Kinches, I kind of felt that that fire again. And- By the way, Rangers or Islanders growing up? Oh God, I am a diehard Rangers fan, diehard. Are you a Hawks fan? I'm a Hawks fan, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. My, My business partner, Michael Malley and I, we have lots of discussions about Hawks and uh, and the Rangers and we hope that in the next coming years with two young teams very up and coming that if there's a finals of the Hawks versus Rangers we have decided that we will go to every game and we hope the last seven games you'll appreciate this my college roommates roommate in boarding school was Brian Leach how major is that that's Hall of Famer dude right I mean that's real deal stuff he just left the Rangers he he was working for them he just left I have a Brian Leach jersey hanging in my closet Amazing. God. Joel Good, I give you a shout out on this podcast. All right. Um, okay, so you're Mon Ami Gabi, which is this sort of French concept from Chicago. Um, uh, Gabino Sotolino. Correct. Who's Spanish, by yes, the way. Yes, um, And you're working what? You're working in the kitchen? I'm working in the kitchen. I worked my way up from prep cook to sous chef. I was there for about three and a half years. 
Um, I ended up going to CIA after that. I made enough money to to pay my way, and I went to Culinary Institute of America up in Hyde Park. And by the way, uh, while you're living in Bethesda or this area, what's the pizza scene like? Oh, I mean bad. Um, and, and I mean bad. The only pizzeria, when, uh, when my parents moved here from 2000 until I left in 06, the only place that I would go to would be Two Amy's, which is a Neapolitan slash Roman style restaurant by Peter Pastan. That's still killer. My goal was really to get back to, to the New York dining scene at the time in 06, 08. It was really popping. Um, I ended up working at the Modern in the Museum of Modern Art with Danny Meyer and Union Square Hospitality under Gabriel Kutter and Sandra Romano. It was an amazing experience. Um, they had just won Best New Restaurant in America, and I was like, oh my God, I'm on my way. And then I realized I hate fine dining. Did some time at a Spanish restaurant, a Japanese restaurant. Oh, so um, you really were working in different cuisines and really getting some experience in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I thought that I thought that I needed to try as much as I could. I, I joined kitchens later on in life, so at 22 I started cooking, and I felt like I, I was behind, so I tried to really catch up. And um, really post-CIA, I spent the next 10 years just, I, I dove into... Um, I dove into my work incredibly and um, just tried to see what I could. I thought I would be going to Europe and cooking. I ended up just traveling and um, spending all my money on food, and did, which was great. Did the recession change plans then? Well, no. So I came to D.C. post-graduation um, right in uh, 07, 08, and I started working for Jose Andres. And I was in, uh, I got hired by the company. They didn't have a spot for me yet, so I worked in his house uh, for his television show, and I was doing food styling for his television show. I ended up working at Zaytinia, which is Greek-Turkish-Mediterranean. I was there for two years. I worked at Haleo after that, which is Spanish-focused. I was there for about a year. Um, I burnt out. I went back to traveling. But the recession didn't really hurt us here in D.C. Um, because you got the federal government here and everybody was trying to get the economy back up and running. So there was lots of people traveling into the city, lots of people entertaining. So we never really saw that. Um, I came back, I worked for a small restaurant called Proof, which is American focused. Um, and then right when I was uh, 29, um, I signed a lease for a restaurant called The Red Hen. And so I opened The Red Hen um, right when I was 30. And Red Hen was um, an homage to kind of neighborhood restaurants. Um, we had noticed, uh, myself and, and Michael Malley, we had noticed that there was no great neighborhood restaurants. He grew up in Chicago, I grew up in New York and Jersey. Um, I'd lived in Boston, he lived in Vegas and then LA. Um, so, you know, we, we knew about different neighborhoods and we could find our own little spots. With DC at the time, there was really DuPont Circle, Foggy Bottom, uh, Penn Quarter, and Georgetown. And that was really it. There was nothing in anywhere else. But we knew that there were these great bones and spaces that were available. Um, and we could feel that change coming on. So we signed on to a, a great lease in, in an area called Bloomingdale. And we opened up the Red Hen. I had gone from sous chef to owner uh, pretty much overnight. I wanted to do Italian food. I'm sorry, Italian neighborhoods. So I grew up in a Jewish household, but within an Italian community. So great food, a lot of guilt on both sides. All Purpose came about because we signed a lease on another space. We had a great deal um, and we didn't want to pass it up. And so we signed on it without really a concept. And I was sitting at the bar at Red Hen after service one night with Mike, my business partner. And we were kind of reminiscing on the times when we were at Mona Me going on our days off to two Amy's and talking, getting, you know, bottles of wine and all these amazing plates of food and great pizza. And it both kind of hit us at the same time, like a light bulb going on. It was like, oh, my God. 
we have to do pizza. That was an easy choice, but then the hard choice became what style of pizza. And at the time, everybody was doing Neapolitan style pizza. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something that meant something to me. And growing up, going to places like Ferraro's and Gennaro's and, and Bona's and Cosimo's, those places that I grew up and, and you know, loved, um, didn't exist here. You know, there was no deck oven style pizza. And at the time, there were a couple places in New York and L.A. and Chicago that were doing it really well and had been doing it for a while. And there were some newer people. I think there's a Chicago, there's Bebu. Um, I don't know if they cook at a wood fire or not. No, Bebu um, does uh, gas fire. It's a Marsal oven. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, so I knew that they were doing something. So um, it just, it was something that made sense that we found the niche. And so we opened up all purpose. The name kind of just came to us and made sense and not only you know, applied to some of the flour that we utilize in our dough, but also to the fact that it's a restaurant and a pizzeria for everybody. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to taste a pizza here from Mike's childhood. Um, we're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. Uh, so stay with us. You love the sound of dough being transformed into crust. But what about the dough in your pocket? If you make pizzas for a living, then you know a fully loaded oven affects heat recovery time and makes everything take longer. That affects your bottom line. Say hello to Pizza Master, the most powerful electric oven on the market. It has clay ceramic hearthstones. That means crispy crust every time. And talk about precision, you can adjust both the top and bottom heating elements to make any style of pizza, which is what Jonathan Goldsmith was looking for when deciding what to do with his VPN-certified Neapolitans during the pandemic. We realized early on that we were not going to make it if we were relying on our two wood-burning ovens. And when talking to many of my cherished, uh, respected colleagues, such as Tony Gimiani, John Arena, about using the Pizza Master not only for the gluten-free, but for the Neapolitan. The pizza coming out of the lower temp with a different quality of bake would actually be better in the service of uh, pizzas a trasporto for the pizzas to go. Plus the ability to get up to 932 degrees combined with exceptional recovery heat allows for high capacity output during peak times. That's money in your pocket. They've got 85 different sizes, more than 1,500 models, and a million oven combinations. They've also got demo kitchens all over the country, so go take one for a test drive. Visit mpmfoodequipment.com and use the promo code PIZZACITY to get a free swag bag at your demo. That's mpmfoodequipment.com and request your test bake or demo today. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're here with Mike Friedman at All Purpose um, on the waterfront in D.C. And Mike has taken out some dough. And tell me about, uh, is it all-purpose flour? There's only some, there's a, a small per, or percentage of all-purpose flour in here. So basically, um, it's a New York-style dough. So the only separation between New York and Neapolitan would be the addition of um, uh, some type of sugar and some type of fat. For us, it's olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. And it's, uh, we utilize diastatic malt powder. I say it's not stark white. No, 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 no. So you can see it's 40% Central Mills whole wheat. The rest is all-purpose flour and double oil flour from King Arthur. Uh, Three-day ferment. Three-day Three refrigerated. So we actually start with a biga, cold day, yeah, cold fermentation. We start with a biga, which is basically like a mother that sits out overnight. And then we 
fold that into a fresh ferment and then we bulk ferment that overnight and then the next day we roll it and then we and then we ferment that overnight and then we are able to use it you know those old school guys in jersey were not doing bigas and three-day oh, ferments man, there's no way me. i know they weren't using flour from central mills so the idea is always to get better um i wanted i was chasing the flavor um but the quality was always something that i wanted to improve upon because you know as i got more into cooking i knew that there was definitely some things that they were missing out on you know they were probably using sugar they were probably putting sugar in their sauce for the folks who can't see he's he's sort of hand stretching and kind of letting gravity do, do the work really a very gentle stretch it looks like about 12 to maybe 14 inches yes that's correct um it's 72 percent hydration so it's got pretty good hydration for a pizza dough we are really good bread bakers here um when we're uh, busy here we do about 4,500 pizzas a night yeah, that seems to be the common theme being a bread baker first really brings a different approach and a, a sort of a different discipline to pizza making but there's lots of pizza makers that don't want to be called bread makers Sauce. We utilize Bianco de Napoli tomatoes exclusively. Um, we don't cook them. We add uh, dried oregano from Sicily that comes on the vine. We uh, rack it off the vine. Now, if you've got a customer of theirs, do you get Chris Bianco to come to the pizzeria once a year as like a deal or no? You know what? I would love to. Chris, uh, please come. Pizza's on me. Now we're going to go to our uh, Calabro Creamery low moisture whole milk mozzarella. Where's this creamery? It's in East Haven, Connecticut. So Frank Angelino is the uh, cheese maker. Uh, I tasted a lot of cheeses. I wanted a very high quality cheese with a great melting property. Um, I'm sure you know if you get skim milk on a pizza, you're gonna see it. You're gonna you're gonna know that each shred kind of caramelizes on the outside and never really does that melting property thing that you want. I want that cheese stretch that we talk about. I want it to be gooey without being sliding off the pizza. So this is Italian sausage we make in house. So we actually um, whip it, uh, we grind it, we whip it, it's got some basil, some parsley, some oregano, some chilies, little pork fat back in it. No fennel? Uh, there's fennel pollen in it. Okay. I'm sorry, fennel uh, seed in it. Good, good. Okay. And, um, and then we have a little bit of coriander in here as well, black those pepper. Are, those are pretty large chunks of sausage yeah. on there. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we try not to mess around. Some of them get a little bit bigger than others. What did you just finish it with, Romano? I, I finished it with Grana Padano. Oh, Grana Padano. So kind of like a young part. Okay. Okay. Into the oven. Into the oven. So we're going to go on the bottom deck because it's super hot. These ovens are uh, Baker's Pride brick-lined ovens. Uh, we're running them at 650. Um, pizza should take about six to seven minutes to bake. All right, so Mike's going to put this in the oven. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to taste the pizza and talk about our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. As many of you know, I have a pizza tour business in Chicago, and while a lot of our guests love to indulge in the raw bulk sausage that's pinched and pressed onto our pies before baking, not everyone eats pork. Thank goodness Fontanini has the solution, chicken and beef meatballs. They're always mixed with ricotta and house-grated Romano, along with their blend of herbs and spices. Fontanini only uses select cuts of chicken and beef, offering their customers more choices no matter what their religious or dietary restrictions. This summer, you'll also see them halal certified, so go ahead and throw them on your naan with some tikka masala sauce. Get a free sample of the new chicken and beef meatballs at fontanini.com slash pizza city, or go to Fontanini brand on Instagram and click the link in the bio to let them know you heard about it from Pizza City. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're sitting out here on the patio uh, looking at the, is it the Potomac River? It is. Okay. No, I'm sorry, it's the Anacostia. Oh, my God. Oh, Anacostia. Got it. Sorry. Okay. If you go up to Buzzards Point, that's where the Potomac and the Anacostia meet. Okay. And having some pizza here with Mike Friedman. 
Um, Mike's delicious pizza. I mean, it really, I mean, I would tell you if I didn't like this pizza, I'd be honest with you. It's delicious pizza. It's, I, I honestly, it's all about the crust. As we right. said earlier, uh, the three-day ferment makes all the difference. Your slightly expensive cheese really makes the difference. Um, everything's in proportion. There's OBR, optimal bite ratio. The, there's a little bit of heat in the sausage, too. Tell me about that. Yeah, so it's a, a, a fresh sausage that we make, um, grind our, our, our pork in-house, a little bit of fat back, um, and then we've got some Calabrian chilies that are ground into the, into the um, sausage itself, along with some fresh basil, uh, parsley, a little bit of oregano, a little bit of pickled peppers in there, the Mama Lil's goat horn peppers, um, and a little bit of fennel and coriander. Now in terms of the crust, you can't really call this a cornicione or cornicione because it's no, there's no leopard spotting. It's not a Neapolitan pie. This is more of your East Coast, New Jersey. It's got that sort of even caramelization on the outside of the heel. Um, and there's a little bit of crumb on the outside, which you said is going to be slightly lower because of the whole wheat? That's correct. So when we started testing this dough, obviously um, we tested different ratios of whole wheat flour to... Um, the, the more, you know, unbleached regular flours that we put into the dough through double O and AP. Um, we love the flavor of the whole wheat that it added. We love the rusticity that it added, kind of the artisanal quality of it. We also know that not a lot of people do this with pizza. Um, if you're adding a certain percentage of whole wheat flour, um, it's really in like the 10 to 20%. And we've gone as, you know, we've tried it as high as 50-50. That gets a little bit too dense. Uh, but we found kind of the sweet spot with 40% whole wheat flour from Central Mills. So that crumb structure that you get and that crumb that you have when you cut through into the pie, it's, you're going to see development um, because you have that cold fermentation, but you're not going to see a lot of volatility because obviously whole wheat flour is heavier um, due to the bran um, that's within the flour itself. There are obviously talented people in this city. They've worked in other cities like New York and, and Chicago. And there's a, a lot of people here. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of people in general in this city, and very international. Why isn't this a better pizza town? I mean, D.C., I'm surprised there isn't more great pizza. I'm going to another place called Timber while I'm here. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of great pizza. Well, I think that, um, I think that it's getting to be a great pizza town. I think that my, my whole thing about D.C. is that um, it is not a town rooted in immense history. Um, so, you know, I come from New York where there's a, a massive immigrant story to tell, um, whether it's Jewish or Italian or Irish. D.C.'s a transient city. It always has been. Um, I think it's less transient than it has been, let's say, 20 years ago. But there's no real strong immigrant story. I would say that there's a wonderful Vietnamese and Southeast Asian, Asian community here that um, has an amazing, amazing wealth of knowledge from a food standpoint, um, as well as Korean um, that, that they have wonderful restaurants here. Um, but when we talk about those stories that we tell in New York, in Chicago, um, even in, in certain parts of Boston, uh, those stories aren't here. So you don't have people that have roots here that are like, hey, I'm going to build this into a generational restaurant or a generational place for my children to take over. You have that at, let's say, we, we were just talking about Tafara, or you have that at L&B Spumoni. Um, you have that at Ferraro's, which still stands in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, or the places that have been around since the early 1900s in, in Chicago. Lombardi's is still around, even though it's a different spot uh, right. with the same oven. Um, here in D.C., it takes a while. It takes a little bit longer. You've got a new, younger, entrepreneurial spirit um, that's been here for the last decade, and, and I'm kind of the old guy in there now at 39. Final question. We ask all our guests on the show, uh, knowing what you know now about pizza making, which is certainly quite a bit, what would you have told yourself pre-opening All Purpose in order to be successful in the pizza game? 
Never stop eating pizza. I still tell Every, myself. Everywhere. Everywhere. I go everywhere and I eat pizza. Um, wherever I go. Um, it's just one of those things that I want to see what's going on culturally. You know, I've yet to go. Um, I really have yet to go to Naples. Haven't even been there to the kind of the, the mecca of sorts. Uh, I've been all around New York. If I hear about a new spot or read about a new spot, I try to and stay on social media, stay out of the game. I think Chicago is a wonderful pizza town. I think that gets a bad rap uh, because of, of the kind of the false knowledge that deep dish is the only thing people eat. I think it's people that eat the, le the least. Um, but there is, look, you have the immigrant stories there. That's the biggest thing, and that's what keeps that that kind of that storyline going, and and that's the biggest part. The restaurant again is called All Purpose. They got three locations. Well, soon to be in Bethesda. Um, got to come out here if you're going to go to a Nationals game for sure. It's right across the street. Mike Friedman, what a pleasure! Thanks so much for the pizza and continued success to you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And Mike is also working on two new concepts, both in Bethesda, AP Pizza Shop, and Aventino a Roman restaurant where you can satisfy your Jewish artichoke cravings. All right, coming up in two weeks, an interview that begins in a car and ends in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So the idea was for there not to be anchovy taste, but exactly what you said, that, that umami, that thing that fish sauce does to Asian food, that, you know, um, fermented things do, you know, and uh, especially anchovies. They add a salinity that has like an addictive quality to it. I'll sit down with best pizza founder and occasional Vice TV host, Frank Pinello, to talk not only pizza, but important life lessons. That's in two weeks on July 9th. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell a friend and rate us. I'd love to know what you think about the show, good, bad, otherwise. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. That's where you can find info about all of our tours, Got four public tours running every weekend here in Chicago through October. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And friendly reminder, here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. <laughs>